the book. I like giving the transforming power of a generous life. You get a book called I Like Giving. It's, oh. it's uh, Practical Ideas by Brad Formsma. I've got a good friend who spends his life inspiring generosity. When we started talking about doing a giving show, I thought we got to have Brad on because he's the, he's the giving guy. It was the most winsome thing I'd ever read, and it wasn't about necessarily giving money. It was about times and thoughts and influence and, and ways that I'd never thought. You know, all I'm doing is sharing these thoughts because guess what? These thoughts and stories, when they impact our life, they affect our heart. I've rarely met anyone that's more infectious in terms of the creativity and the joy in giving to others. <laughs> I always say I've never met an angry, bitter, generous person, so <laughs> I want to be generous. Oh, it's good to be here. Oh, good to be here. Thank you. Would you say with me, I like giving. All right, now turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you do. Okay, well, we're going to have some fun this weekend. I've been studying the generous life for over 15 years, and so I've learned a lot of things, but to, today I want to share three things that I know you'll be able to apply to your life even later tonight, tomorrow, next week, and beyond. Uh, but before we jump into those three things, I want to take you back. I was nine years old. And I was the oldest of five, and um, my grandpa had a big commercial baking company, but next to his office, he had a small test kitchen, and so he would make 16 loaves of bread, and so when he called me on a Friday afternoon and said, Bradley, behind that deep Dutch voice that he had, I want to bring you to my office to bake some bread, I thought, this is going to be a good Saturday morning, fresh sliced bread, some jam, this is, I'm thinking it's all about me. Well... Those 16 loaves come out of the oven and they cool down and we put them in the back of his car. I started to realize it might not be bread and bread this morning. It might be something else. And uh, our first stop came to a widow's house and he was so generous with his words and affirming her. And then he got that loaf of bread down and he just squeezed it in her face and he said, is that so good for you? Poor Gramps didn't get the memo on white bread being good for you. But the idea was, you know, the generous spirit. And so then the second stop, it was to someone who had a financial need. And so this time it was a few loaves of bread and a, a white envelope. And he explained to me that he was being generous with his money. And then he stopped there and he said, Bradley, giving is good and God brings it back so you can do it again. He said, every time I give, it softens my heart. I thought, wow, here I am so young, remember these things. The third stop, and I kind of thought halfway, you know, maybe we can pull the car over and share a little bread. No. So the third stop, it was to someone a few more loaves of bread, and this time it was influence. They needed help getting from here to here, and he had the connection. He had the ability to have that influence of generosity. Your pastors did that for me. I showed up at a conference for the ARC, which is just wonderful. Now I support it. I mean, it's kind of cool how this all works, but I didn't know hardly anybody, or I didn't think, and they just um, brought me in and, and shared friendships and introduced me to people. And So um, I just, I want to ask um, a very simple technical question. Should I flip to a different mic? Is this b bothering you? I hate to do that in the middle, but I think we'll just... Um, 
turn this off. Okay. Like it never happened. <laughs> All sorts of things are running through my head. I'm okay. You're okay. We're going to do this. So <clears throat> they're generous with their influence. And they're, you know, here they are with their friends and connections across America, and they're taking the time to have lunch with me. And I'm thinking, this is so significant in our lives. Sometimes we think generosity just is money, and that is so important. It's connected to our heart. But you know what? We can help each other. We all have spheres of influence. Then the next stop, Grandpa comes in, and he's generous with his time. He just sits with somebody, and he gives his time. And then he gives, uh, the next stop, he's showing me that, you know, they need something of his, and so he's going to let them use one of his cars. And he's showing being generous with stuff. And so then he shows me generous with time, and he just begins to show me what I call these seven ways from Grandpa and God to live the generous life. And so the first thing I want to share with you that I've learned is the power of awareness. Grandpa showed me we have to get our antenna working. We have to be looking and listening for opportunities to give. Last week I listened to Pastor Matt and he cast clear vision and showed an opportunity. And I think that's great because we get our antenna working and we get to take it to the Lord. God, would you have us participate? How would you have us participate? At what level? Well, for our family, it really came to a newspaper article in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where I used to live, and that's where I was brought up. And there was a um, newspaper uh, picture, in the, and I think people used to read newspapers. Anyway, uh, there's a picture of Sudanese father and son, firebombed out of their village. They end up in, in the city. They have clothes on their back. They have a few bikes. The bike is the dad's mode of transportation to work. The other bike is the son's main toy. And as I read on, I realized that their bikes had been stolen. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I bring it into our family. We had a 10, 7, and 2-year-old at the time. And we pull them all together, and we read the article. And I say, what should we do? My oldest son's like, we got to go get them bikes. And I'm like, you're right, perfect. And I'm the ready, fire, aim guy, activator in the marriage. My wife's the planner. So it's interesting, I don't know if any of you have married somebody opposite, but when you start to bring in these giving conversations, they take some, you know, interesting things happen from those. So anyway, the activator in me, we jumped in our minivan, went to the bike store, bought the bikes, loaded them in the back. As we pulled up to that first intersection, we hit that stop sign and she looked over and where do they live? Of course they don't put the address in the newspaper, so we're calling the place that is helping these people out, and finally, after four hours of going all over our city, we find the people. And because of the language barrier, all the dad could say is, I like bike, I like bike, I like bike. And we're like, okay, cool, you like bikes. And as we are leaving, my wife says, I really think the Lord had an assignment for us today. We had an opportunity to give. We had our antenna working. In Galatians 6.10, Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those that are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And studying more of that passage, I realize the word opportunity is also privilege. 
it's a privilege to give. We get to give. And that just shifted something for our family, the idea that we get to participate in something bigger and we get to model it for our kids. That's why I'm giving my life away to this message. That's the little secret. I care that at the lowest, youngest levels in your family, you'll talk about this powerful biblical concept called the generous life and living is more blessed to give than receive. So I told my buddy Scott like this I like bike story, and he texts me one day, I like cavities. And I'm thinking, that's a little strange because I'm not a dentist and I know you're not. And uh, so I call him and he says, well, you know, I was sitting at the dentist's office. I overheard this single mom say $926. These young kids, what, what am I going to do? And he said, I just kept hearing, I like bike, I like bike in my head. And he's like, you know me, I, I'm introverted. Uh, I don't even know if I like people. <laughs> but he said, I jumped up and I handed that cashier the credit card. When I'm with Dave Ramsey, I say debit card. He likes that. <laughs> and he, my friend Scott, he's like, there were tears rolling down this lady's face. And that Galatians passage about bearing each other's burdens. Now, here's what's cool about Scott's story. He started years earlier, giving 100 bucks. And then he challenged himself to 200. And then he started tithing. And he started pushing past these barriers. And he said, I just wanted to bring more of generosity into my life. And he said, you opened up yet another way above and beyond that I can be hands and feet in the world. And I get to experience this thing called joy. There's no limit on that. There's 168 hours in the week. We get to play if we want to. It's a privilege. Well, the power of awareness. And so I would encourage you, get your antennas working, get listening and observing and saying, God, what opportunities to give money and other ways have you had come across my, my view? And step into it. So the second thing is action. It's great to be inspired and encouraged, but we have to move it. We get to move it into action. So for our family, we have a, um, what we call an emergency giving fund. So we regularly give to our church. And I want to confess that I missed on this one a couple years ago where we were, I thought I was doing, the, my wife thought I was doing the giving. She, um, I thought she was doing the giving. We both thought we were generous, and we weren't to the church. It's a problem. And, uh, but yet, God's not like lightning bolt hitting us for this. We're like, oh, Lord, you know what? That's not our heart. And so like, we went back and figured out some stuff. But the other thing that was good about it was we got into the regular automated kind of giving as a way of saying, oh, that's right for us with travel and other things. And that's, that's going to be for us. So I'd encourage you, if, you know, if, if you've been like me, no hands, please. But just, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a solution to that. So for us, we additionally made some spending decisions that would allow us to have a little emergency giving fund. So when opportunities would come, hopefully our kids would get their antennas working. They'd come to us and share what they, what, what they saw. And... Uh, they did. One day my son came to me and he said, my buddy Nolan, his dad is really sick, has two months to live, and uh, 
could we do something? And we decided that the prepaid gift card was going to be the best thing. Like we invariably they had a medical expense we didn't know about. And so we wanted to do this stealth giving thing. And we all got in the car and drove to their house. And we um, turned down the street. And they had a row of mailboxes where, you know, all the houses. And my wife's like, perfect, we can put it in there, and they won't know it's us. And I'm like, no, I've been reading, you know, postmen are stealing gift cards out of the mailbox. So, <laughs> now look, you guys, listen to your wives. They have intuition, they're smart. I make it so much harder than it needs to be. So I'm just saying, because I brought it to the front door, and sure enough, um, I got busted. She, the lady saw me walking through the living room, and so they knew it was us. And uh, three, three, well, several months went by, and we, we got the call that the doctor was right and hit, the man passed away. But three weeks later, a note came to our house, and it said, Dear Brad and Laura, my husband was pacing back and forth in the living room, and he was asking God to provide money for new tires for my car so that I would be safe when he went to heaven. The creator of the universe works through us to be a part of answering prayer. Right? What an incredible, what an incredible honor. I, I didn't know this guy. I'm kind of doing one of those, what's that like in heaven? I like tires, maybe, just saying, you know. But when we think about the creator of the universe God Almighty working through us to be hands and feet and to help build churches and help international ministries and help each other. That's a really sobering, powerful reality that we get to be a part of and that he trusts us with that. And what I didn't share with you is that uh, several months before that, I went to a doctor's office and was told that I had a rare form of blood cancer, which they call leukemia, and that I had two years to live without uh, some expensive chemotherapy that might work. And my whole life flashed before my eyes. And I was thinking, who's going to walk my daughter down the aisle? Who's going to take care of this young family? What? What is life going to be like? And then I went back to, where's my hope? And I thought, my hope is in Jesus. And that's wonderful. And I also went back to that pre-decision that we made to live generously as a family, even when it wasn't necessarily convenient or it wasn't our idea of just, you know, timing and all that. And so because of that pre-decision, I went back to that tire story and I thought, I think I would have chickened out on that because I was in fear, I was worried, I didn't know how it was gonna all work out, but I'm so thankful looking back that I was able to respond during a, the darkest hour of my life through, through generosity. And I think it changes our way of how we look at reality and, and we're in our world because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And then you can bring these seven ways with you wherever you go, including the doctor's office. So I live in Southern California now. I drive up to UCLA and, 
you know, you go in there and they take all this blood and money from you. And the lady one day, her, like, her name's Joy. Like, seriously, some people have the wrong name for the job. You gotta be kidding. And she's just pouting, you could tell it. And I, I had one of those moments where I was thought I was being sneaky, uh, uh, upset, and unhappy. Have you ever done that where you don't, nobody knows I'm in a foul mood, right? You think nobody notices, you project it all over the city. But you're there. So I was like, hey, giving guy, here's an idea. Maybe you could give to her. So as she's doing all my labels on the blood that they took, I put one of those Starbucks gift cards on her chair, and I said, hey, Joy, you ever go get one of those big 910-calorie drinks with all the whipped cream and drizzle and all that and with a friend? And she's like, well, yeah, and kind of peculiar looking on her face. And I said, well, have fun with your friend as I was walking out the door, and I pointed back to the gift card. And it was like in that moment, boom, it's going to be okay. Giving changes everything. It's, it's the fastest switch to our attitude, to our focus. It was how we were created. So it doesn't always work as planned, though. I've kind of given you some Facebook versions here. Sometimes they don't always work. I was there a month later, and I was ready to do my gift card trick again. And... Uh, I started, have you ever had where you just start fumbling right out of the gate with words and you can't recover? It was like the worst fumble of words and all that. And I'm like, uh, ma'am, you know, could, did you ever, could you, has anybody ever asked you? And, and the gift card stuck between my pocket and my key and I'm trying to get it out. And I'm like, has anybody ever asked you? And I get the gift card out and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. I thought you were going to ask me on a date. I saw your wedding ring. This is creepy. And she... <laughs> She grabs the gift card and runs down the hallway. Thanks, I'm going to go with my friend. And look, it sometimes doesn't go as planned, but you know what? I'm better for it when I give. And I think we're all better when we give. And then you can, like, my doctor, oh, he is a piece of work. And that's generous with my words right there. I went into his office one day, and he said, I'm looking at your results here, and I don't see any sign of this disease in your body. And I'm like, yes, it's a miracle. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's a miracle. Oh. And then he says, I like your shoes. I'm like, miracle to shoe. And then he's talking about the buckle. I, I wore them for you tonight. And uh, then, he, then he starts talking about the stitching. And I'm like, this is just getting creepy. So I said, well, like, what are yours, like size 10? He's like, you think you're so smart. They're nine and a half. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you're dumb. You just gave the giving guy the answer. Because here's what you need to know about me. I'm Dutch, but I like nice. So I go to Nordstrom Rack. So I went back to that Nordstrom Rack, turned down that aisle, looked up on that shelf. There they were. Those nine and a halfs, they're glowing. So I bought them. I brought them back to my office and I wrote him this note. Dear Doc, thanks for using your God-given gifts to help a guy like me stay around a little longer. And then I think Jesus is okay with the second part. It's, it's, it's a little snarky, but it just, you know, come on. I said, these will help you be one step more like me. 
Oh, man. So, awareness to action. And then the third last thing I want to share with you is the power of impact. We just never know the impact of one decision to be generous. I told you that bike story. That led to the start of our nonprofit organization, I Like Giving, which is all about inspiring people to live generously. We create content. I go to great businesses who want to reinforce the idea of these seven ways of being generous at work. Because guess what? That, that's a good place to start, isn't it? What happens when we're generous with each other at work? And then I get to go to great churches like yours. And then I sometimes interact with families who want us to help them talk about generosity from multiple generations so that their story and their values live on. That all came from that bike story. Well, in the midst of all that kind of um, growth of I Like Giving, we uh, had a lot of views of our short films at ilikegiving.com. And so when that happens, you have a publisher track you down. And so they tracked me down and they're like, hey, um, you should write a book. To which I said, no, because uh, I cheated in high school English and you're supposed to be really, you know, and they said, no, 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 we can help people like you. <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah. So then right away I was like, well, we gotta put this thing together, but it's gotta be stories of different people. Like, this is all us. This isn't just Brad's giving stories. So on our website, we had a way for people to share their story. And one day, a story came in, and I'm gonna share it with you. Um, by the way, this is my favorite week of the year. I, and I'm so excited to be here with friends and, and pastors that I love and appreciate who they are and what they do. And this is just Thanksgiving's just my happy week. I just love it. I, you know, maybe it's because giving's in the middle of the name, uh, or maybe it's just because I know that if I can really ground on what, what's important this week, maybe I can make it through the chaos of the following 30 or, or so days. But this one, this one story came in, and uh, it's a story of a, a lady named Tracy. She had a couple young kids almost nothing, lived in an apartment facility. Um, it's Thanksgiving Day, and it's going to be pretty, pretty sparse. And she's got a few cans of food, and it's just going to be what it is. And she started thinking, I wonder what a wonderful Thanksgiving is like for so many different people when a knock at the door came. And there was this guy from a restaurant, local, and huge spread, big turkey, the whole deal, and he comes in, sets it on her table, and he leaves. He won't tell her who, who did it. And tears roll down her face. She's overwhelmed, and um, I'm paraphrasing the story. And years later, she ends up getting a job as a nurse, and the sun comes out, and she's doing really well, and she's taking care of this older lady. And they realized that they used to live in the same apartment complex. And anyway, you know, a few more weeks go by, and it's clear this lady, her name's Margot, she's probably got a, about a day to live. And on the last day they're together, Margot reaches out and squeezes Tracy's hand. It says, Happy Thanksgiving. 
It was Margot years ago that had her antenna working, and she sent that turkey dinner. Now, I'm not going to tell you all the rest that happens in the story, but I'm telling you, Tracy, the moment she received someone's incredible generosity, it changed her life. And she started to live generously in the way that she could in that moment. So, so good. Um, I like giving books. I'm going to give these two to you. You get to keep one, give one, right? And I think you said you're from Michigan or so. There's a little, okay, we'll talk later. Okay. Oh, okay, the back row too. Okay, good. So the impact, you just never know the impact of one decision. And um, my son is 16, going on 26, makes for an interesting parenting challenge. And he's with me today. And I asked him to share a few thoughts on what it's like to be around the generosity conversation. So would you welcome Drew Formsma? Oh, it's so great to be here tonight. Today I want to share with you what it's been like for me being around the generosity conversation, how it's changed my life, and how it's changed my friends as well. I was, I've been part of a lot of these giving opportunities, and I've seen my parents model it for me, and I kind of thought to myself one day, man, i got to try this myself. I mean, they're really happy. I want some of that happiness. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So we're walking into Costco one day, and my dad's on the phone with some guy, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this grandma standing next to her groceries. And we know everything at Costco is like 10 times the regular size. So she's got her like Diet Dr. Pepper, waters, all this stuff. And so I run over there. I'm like, hey, can I help you with your groceries? She's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. So I'm loading, up, I'm loading, I'm loading her groceries up. And she says, you know what? In this world full of hate and hurt and depression and suicide, this is exactly what our world needs, generosity. That's the key to a better world. It's just helping someone else out without expecting anything in return. And she's like, that's exactly what you're doing for me today. I would have been staying here all day. I'm like, I'm glad I could help. And then she gave me a big kiss. No, she didn't. <laughs> Kissing. Now, that's when giving gets real weird. <laughs> Kissing and giving, that's real weird. <laughs> Let's not start that. So. But that's really what giving is. It's stepping into an opportunity and not... I mean, I, I have a small amount of giving, and I can give that, but I was, able, I was able to step in with my time and help her. And I was on the back of this bus one day, headed to golf practice, which I love, and I'm on the back, and my friends are kind of poking fun at this disabled kid. And I kind of sat there, and I didn't say anything. And I got off the bus and saw it disappear in the distance. And I thought to myself, man, I was as bad as my friends. I didn't say anything. I didn't stick up for him. And so fast forward two months, I'm sitting in my first class of my freshman year of high school, and all these thoughts are going through my head. Am I going to make friends? Are there any cute girls? <laughs> Am I going to get good grades? And then the thought of the kid I didn't stick up for came into my mind. And I felt like God told me, Drew, why don't you look for that kid and stick up for him and be his friend? So I'm like, okay, God, I'm ready. So I'm looking around, and this kid right next to me, really short thick glasses, and I knew he was my guy, and, <laughs> and so I walk over, and I'm like, hey, I'm Drew, and then he's like, hey, I'm Quinn, and then it got awkward. I'm like, no, I hate awkward circumstances, and when I'm in one, I tell a joke, so I'm like, hey, Quinn, what did the fish say when he ran into the wall? 
He's like, dude, I have no idea. I'm like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) So weeks after weeks, I kept telling cleaner jokes. And a friendship started to happen. I know, sorry. (laughs) I had to break it out. I told a clean one in the first one how to bring that out. I mean, (laughs) come on. And so a friendship started to happen. I'd see him in the hallways. Hey, Quinn, have a good day. I'd help him with his homework, sit with him at lunch, be his friend. And then one day I realized that my friends were watching what I was doing. And they were starting to do this themselves because Quinn was walking down the hallway one day and my friend was walking the other direction. And my friend put out his hand and said, hey, Quinn, have a good day. And I realized in that moment, my one decision to step into Quinn's life was now affecting my friends. And they were starting to do it. And as I, as I look at his life, I think, man, how many times have I felt like Quinn and just needed somebody? And then I looked, man, we all have a Quinn in our life. We all have someone we can step into and be and give our time, give our influence. My small little sphere of influence, I was able to use what I had to give to him. But I had to make that decision. And then I had to put it into action. And that's what it's all about. Every day we get to make the decision. We wake up and we look at ourselves in the mirror. Who are we going to be today? A giver or a getter? I mean, that's what the decision is every day. And we get to step in. Or step out. It's really, we get to make the decision, but we know that if we start giving in our own lives, that ripple effect, what could that do for our world? But it starts here today. I have parents ask me all the time, Drew, how do I bring this into my kids' lives? How do I bring it into my grandkids' lives? So I came up with a little acronym, ME, M-E-E. Model, then encourage, lastly engage. Let's take it back. Model. When you model generosity to your kids, They'll follow. I followed in my parents' footsteps. My dad followed in his grandpa's footsteps. And now I'm starting to model it to my friends. The next is encourage. Encourage your kids to give. But don't force it. That's another gross area. Don't go there. (laughs) Then engage. Share your stories around the dinner table. I would challenge you maybe get a couple books and read it around the dinner table this Thanksgiving and see what people, people hear in the stories. It's a good way to inspire your family this Thanksgiving. Because I have kids come up to me all the time and they go, Drew, I don't even know what generosity means. And so I would challenge you, define it for your family. Make it part of your lifestyle and legacy because that's what's powerful. And when they start giving, the ripple effect happens. And as I leave, I just want to say this. Giving is something we get to step into every day. It's not something only on Giving Tuesday, not only on Thanksgiving morning, but something we can make a lifestyle, not only for ourselves, but our families as well. Thank you. Thank you, Drew. Um, We're going to work on some joke content. (laughs) Oh. You know, a, a great, great way that I've found to clarify a giving opportunity is to just ask a question. Whatever opportunity is in front of you, you know, even if you have church, 
church vision questions, it's good to ask and get clarity. And, and then it's also on the simple things. Like for me, um, I'd been reading about widows and orphans, and I thought, where do I find a widow? My grandparents were gone, and I, I think this is near and dear to God's heart. And so I was getting my hair cut one day, and I, my hair is all shampooed up, and I sit up in the chair. You're kind of a little bit dazed, and I said to the lady, where do I get a widow? It came out a little funny. <laughs> What are you talking about? And so I said, well, I just want to find someone to help. And so she's like, I've got this perfect lady. She's like this tall, flowing silver hair. Her husband passed away. She doesn't have any hardly any money, and she needs some help. And so we started anonymously sending her money. And then a few years went by, and we thought we should meet. And so we went out to lunch, and this fast friendship developed. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be. And we just instantly, it just happened. And uh, so we captured three and a half minutes of her story on short film at ilikegiving.com. And I want to introduce you to Evelyn, and then I'll be right back. How old are you? 97. I'll be 98 in October. <laughs> I live in a retirement community. And we used to have a bus here to take people to the grocery store twice a week. And they gave that bus up, I don't know why. So a lot of people were stuck around here. Like my neighbor Joyce, who was a very shy person. She said to me, well, if they don't get another bus, they'll find another place for me to live. And she says, I just don't want to go anywhere else. I said, Joyce, I'll get you to the grocery store every week. But I lost my driver's license because somebody thought I was too old. But I didn't have a mark against me at all. I was heartbroken at that. I really was. It made me feel old. It made me feel useless. I am a good driver. I really am. I, I'm not fearful when I drive, but I'm very careful. You're a hot driver? No. You drag race a lot? Well, I drive 65, but I obey the rules. So I went to get it back. You make a promise, it's important for me to, to keep that promise if it's possible. <laughs> and I passed it. I'm on the earth, I'm here. If I can contribute, I should. Shouldn't we all? And not just think of ourselves? It's supposed to get real cold. Like I say, I don't have money to give, but I can give myself and my time. A lot of people in the world who don't have anybody who cares about them. So that's 
the way I felt. <laughs> to love our neighbor, be a friend, that will give you joy. I mean, I don't do this, so you think I'm great. I don't even think of that. My daughter says, Mother, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. I'll say, well, okay. And like I say, I do what I I wouldn't do anything dangerous, but, you know. One question to one hairdresser. I got to meet a wonderful friend. That story has been viewed over nine million times around the globe over the last couple years. Evelyn's now in heaven. Man, that was a long week finding out that she went to heaven. I went to her funeral. It was packed. Generous people. Just, there's something about them. Awareness to action to impact. We just never know. Um... Two and a half million kids will watch this over the next few years in a homeschool program through National Geographic, no faith affiliation, and they're going to get to see a Spirit of God story through Evelyn's life. Our, the optics matter. Our people watch our lives. So will you join me in a closing prayer? Lord, I thank you for the truth that it's more blessed to give than receive. Lord, I pray for the hearts of everyone here that if there's any wrong information or wrong understanding about what true biblical generosity is, that you would just give them a fresh vision for that. Lord, we thank you that you said, let your light shine before men that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>